Hi there, Sam Sorbo here. What's the difference between Johnny Depp and a Harvard economics professor? Filmmaker Rob Mons is here to shed some light on a story the mainstream media doesn't want you to know about. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Sam Sorbo. You've heard me talk about Mike Lindell, who I adore. You know, he's the inventor of my pillow and how that pillow has given me a good night's sleep that I need. In fact, I never knew how good I could sleep before I had my my pillow. Mike continues to roll out new offers on his products, and the latest one is on his towel sets. Towels aren't something you think about often. I never knew what I was missing until I tried the towels just last year. Now, you've all helped build MyPillow into the incredible company that it is today, and you've trusted Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's now changing the game with his six-piece towel set. The set's made with USA cotton, making it extremely absorbent, and yet still providing that soft feel you look for in a towel. The set comes with two bath, two hand towels, and two washcloths, typically retailing for $109.99. But for a limited time, you can get this set for the low price of $39.99, and that's using promo code SAMSORBO. So remember, all my pillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee. You just go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener specials, to get this insanely low price of $39.99 on the towel set. You'll find deep discounts on other MyPillow products as well. So enter promo code Sam Sorbo, Sam Sorbo, or you can call 800-625-5983. That's 800-625-5983 for these great radio specials. Hi there, I'm Sam Sorbo. This is uh, an interview that I'm doing with a filmmaker who I just stumbled across in an article that he wrote for Quillette magazine. And I have a tendency to reach out to people I don't know because when they do things that I find fascinating and this article I found absolutely fascinating. It stems from a documentary that this gentleman put together about a young man who entered Harvard as a professor and uh, made his mark such that they canceled him, which is really a phenomenal thing uh, because of his race and maybe some of the stuff that he was discovering. So welcome to the show, Rob Mons. Sam, thank you so much for having me. It's great to speak with you. I was very excited when you responded um, as quickly as you did uh, in the affirmative, because this this article really changed a, a lot of the way I view things. Um, first of all, how did you come across Professor Roland? Yeah, so the, and that, that piece, that essay is based upon a long documentary that goes into even more details about Roland's life, Roland's work, and the, uh, the like mysterious tragedy that befell him, right? Right. So, so just to clarify, because I'm, I'm being a little bit obtuse, his name is Roland Fryer, and right. he was a product of a broken family, uh, grew up in poverty, right? Let's set the stage for people. Yeah, yeah. So Roland Fryer, uh, he, I mean, the way that I've taken to describing him is sort of like the black goodwill hunting. He's this genius from deeply disadvantaged circumstances. He's, his mother literally abandons him right after he's born. And he's raised by an alcoholic, uh, uh, frequently physically abusive dad in small town, Texas. And as an undergraduate, he kind of stumbles into an economics class and just falls in love with it, falls in love with it. And it's kind of economics 
not as some irrelevant academic discipline, but as a way of bringing order and truth to his life, which had up to that point been completely defined by like violent chaos, right? Right. And I'll I'll just um, throw in here that that's actually, that's my experience too. Math gave me order and I just, it it fed me in the sense that I, I felt like, okay, so the world is not just made up of chaos. And I have a feeling that he had that same experience. It was not the most likely thing to necessarily to happen or the, or the most standard thing that might have happened to him. But he he stumbled into this class and he went, oh, my gosh, this makes perfect sense to me. I need more of this. Exactly. That's exactly right. And so then he goes on to get a Ph.D. at a kind of middling program. But he just is brilliant. Just his raw cognitive processing power is next level and has an insane work ethic. And he's able to push himself to the University of Chicago Economics Department which is um, the best in the country. And they are most famous for basically taking economic theory that seems sort of distant and theoretical and irrelevant and applying it in weird ways to the world to kind of dig up unexpected truths. So, and Roland learns how to do that. And again, he's a poor black kid from middle America. He's like, what if I took these tools and in the same Chicago way, I apply them to the most pressing problems of my people? Right. He also became affiliated with one of the authors of a best-selling book. Um, yeah, Steve Levitt. Right. And so is. I, I'm sorry, you cut out. Go ahead. Sorry, yeah, Steve Levitt is the is the guy behind Freakonomics. And Freakonomics is the most popular version of this University of Chicago economic approach, which is about taking these like data tables and equations and and then applying them in weird ways. So what one of the things that brings Roland, um, one of the things that get, gets him hired by Harvard University is he's like, okay, let me apply economic theory to this phenomenon of acting white. So hot stuff, provocative and stuff. And that's when the trouble began. <laughs> this idea of, you know, that, I mean, there's... Um, the, the idea that black kids get punished socially in school if they do too well, that they get accused of being race traitors if they go above a certain threshold, right? And it's one thing for like the National Review or for you or me to talk about, you know, acting white as a phenomenon. It's pretty easy to dismiss it. He is a, an elite genius level economist who's also a black guy. He decides to investigate it. And he finds that in fact, while they're the like the popularity of an Asian or a white student steadily goes up in school as they do better for black kids. Once they get to about a B or like a B plus their popularity craters, but he is um, he's absolutely brilliant. And he ends up becoming the youngest professor, youngest black professor in the history of Harvard university to get tenure, which is like this basically a lifetime job guarantee. And he gets it at 30 years old. And then he proceeds to just take his genius and apply it to the most morally pressing problems of the black community. But How dare he? And, 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 and as you've hinted, occasionally his findings don't um, fit neatly with certain <laughs> progressive pieties. I'll, I'll, we'll put it in that. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know. You Sam, you tell me if you think that's a, an, a, a fair way of characterizing some of his findings. Yeah. Well, well, what I love about it is he. He first of all, he changes a little bit the metrics. And so he starts measuring, he measures the popularity of children in a way that hasn't been measured before, that is 
obviously right on its face, more authentic than what was happening before. And and so in that way, he actually points out actually as of as of earning a B, if you get anything above a B in the inside the black community, your popularity plummets. I believe it's similar or worse for Hispanics. Yeah, it's worse for them. But in but in in, for instance, Asian communities, uh, the 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 better your grades, the more popular you become. Uh, it, it's just sort of and that's obviously these are all generalizations, but this is not. This is actually, in a sense, proving that there is a hostility towards this idea of acting white. Well, that, yeah. yeah, go ahead. It's called acting white because you basically get accused of wanting to be a white person if you do well in school. That's that's what it is. That's but that's why it's called the acting white phenomenon. And he does a bunch of other. I mean, we go into some d- detail about a lot of the other just incredible research he does. And so what we what went down that ended up ending his career happens in 2018. Okay, in I want to get into that, but we're going to take a quick break. Okay, um, just because I have sponsors. Uh, take a quick break here and we'll be right back with Rob Mons, who's the filmmaker who uncovered this story. And I'm also going to ask you why he's not interviewed in the film or what that's all about. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with the Sam Sorbo show. You've heard me talk about Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow and how his pillow has given me the good night's sleep that I need. Well, now Mike's got a line of slippers. That's right. And contrary to rumors, the fur lines slippers, which are my favorites, are not discontinued. In fact, wide widths are arriving this fall, so don't delay in placing your order. They're finished with a high quality leather suede made from US cowhides. Mine are pink. They're faux fur lined. They're super comfy. I really love mine because they are easy to slip on and they have strong slip proof soles. You've all helped build MyPillow into the incredible company that it is today. You've trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. And now you can have that same great comfort all through the house. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener specials to find deep discounts on many MyPillow products. Don't forget, enter promo code Sam Sorbo, or you can call 800-625-5983. That's 800-625-5983. 800-625-5983 for great radio specials. All right. Welcome back to the show. I'm talking with Rob Mons, who's the filmmaker who made this. It's a really lovely documentary about this young man who succeeded, you know, against all odds, is an exceptional individual, was lauded until he discovered things that made certain people in certain circles uncomfortable. And unfortunately, those people control the levers of power and they exerted their power against him. So, uh, Rob, um, this young professor at 30 years old received tenure from Harvard, which is really quite the accomplishment. The youngest black person in history to achieve tenure at Harvard. Uh, and I'm sure set some other records as well. Right. Well, I mean, the one thing is, so, and immediately after that, he only levels up in terms of his intellectual achievement after that. He does a bunch of things that end up winning him the Clark Medal, which is a huge deal in the economics profession. It's basically you're the best economist under 40 in the whole world. That's what he wins. And, and a huge percentage of the people that win that medal 
go on to win the Nobel Prize. But then in so 2000, he's like he's yeah, like he, the younger version of Thomas Sowell. Yeah. Yeah. But he didn't set out that way. He didn't set out to be a conservative whose whose views are, you know, anti-establishment or, or whatever you want to call it. He just what I love about this story is this is somebody who is just beholden to the truth. He's just doggedly after the truth. And the truth makes some people uncomfortable. Right. Well, let, let me give you an example of that. Right. So in 2017, he and his research team go down to the Houston Police Department and they ask what I call the question at the molten hot center of American politics right now, which is, is there racial bias in police activity in the Houston Police Department? Right. But let me tell you, there's two things that he finds. And I'm mentioning both of them just to make it clear that this guy didn't have some specific partisan tribal agenda. He just wants the truth. He does find that there are racial disparities in um, the use of physical force on black suspects as opposed to white suspects, right? That they're, the blacks are more likely to be roughed up. And this is the thing that, again, it, this is an uncomfortable truth for people that maybe come from the, from the right, which is even if the suspect himself is described as compliant by the police officer, the black suspect is like statistically more likely to be roughed up than the white suspect. Again, these are, but the second thing that he finds is the thing that makes things that makes um, uh, national headlines, which he finds that there actually is no racial disparity in police shootings of suspects. And that in fact, a black suspect is slightly less likely to be shot than a white suspect in Houston. And that, 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 that finding like totally blows up. And then literally within a matter of, I think like six months, the thing that ends his career happens, right? Like even the chronology itself is a little suspect, <laughs> like what he did, what he got super famous for, and then the nature of his downfall, the chronology, like it, 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 it sets so off. What's, a the, what's the nature, but tell us the nature of his downfall. Tell us the thing that really did him in ultimately. He gets accused of sexual harassment by. Um, yeah, but a that's specific- a setup. That's always the sexual harassment is always a setup. They figured out that they needed to target him and then they just waited until it was an opportune moment and they found the right person to play the victim. Yeah, I mean. I, mine is more I think it was very bad luck, but in terms of what happened, she she makes a sexual harassment accusation. And then, but the way that Harvard takes it and immediately starts searching around for additional people to make accusations, to dig up more dirt on this guy. And the thing, but the thing that we go into in the documentary is these are the official findings of Harvard's own, they're, they're, they're called Title IX investigators. The, right. The Title IX law, right, is the one that kind of governs these, these sexual tribunals on college campuses. They basically say Roland made a bunch of inappropriate jokes. Now, at Good Kid Productions, having seen what those jokes are, what Roland was found what what Roland was found guilty of is basically not acting like an affluent white person in the, on the job. That's what he was found guilty of. He is a lower class black guy. He refused to um, like code switch once he got to Harvard, and that's what they found him guilty of. But Harvard's own investigators, who are, you know, more likely to find inappropriate sexual remarks in the workplace to be completely unacceptable, 
their official recommendation for punishment for him is just a couple of days of training. That's Harvard's own investigators say the punishment should be some training. But now somehow, Sam, right, you know that 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 recommendation gets turned into career termination. Right. That's what this but they like, can't terminate him because they gave him tenure. So what they did was they just stripped him of all the perks and they demoted him to teaching undergraduate students and they took away all of his funding because they don't want him to discover any more truth. Because let's face it, folks, there's enough truth in the world already. And we don't want to discover anything more because the truth that we have right now, this is all the truth we need because it supports our agenda. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, basically the finest economic mind of his generation has been rendered radioactive in his profession and has been demoted to teaching snotty sophomores. That's basically what he's been demoted to. And again, he's still at Harvard, but that's despite the best efforts of Harvard's elite. They had, they tried all sorts of gangster stuff to try to push him out. And they, how old, how old is this story? Like how long since this thing happened to him? It happened in 2018. Okay, so it's been a few years and he's still there. Right. I mean, this but again, this is you know, this as well as I do, Sam, part of that. There is stories that get actively misrepresented by uh, legacy media organizations (laughs) or they get ignored. Right. I'm saying I'd imagine I'm not. This is the hottest take. Right. I know you're like, what? Uh, (laughs) I'm sure you're a dutiful reader of The New York Times editorial page. Um, (laughs) So what happened with. So that happens, right? In 2018, he gets this insane punishment that's basically career termination. He's exiled from campus for two years. He literally cannot step foot on campus for two years, and they liquidate his multi-million dollar lab operations. There's a single news piece about it in the New York Times. And the New York Times dutifully repeats the narrative that Harvard once propagated, which is that Roland is an unrepentant sexual predator. And in that one piece, the Times makes a point to link, look at what happened to this guy. He's a sexual predator. Oh, and by the way, he's the guy that that had that finding about police bias in shootings that you hated, you know, Park Slope parent. And like basically not so suddenly tries to discredit his research because of what happened to him in the Title IX case. But then after that, that's the piece. That piece shows up if you Google Roland Fryer's name It's a true testament to the power of Harvard University, what happened after that, which is absolute silence. Nothing. Nobody covered it. Not on the right, not on the left. Nobody covered it. And but, you know, you know, not our 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 entire philosophy at my production company is to not just moan about the catastrophic ideological corruption of mainstream institutions. Like, go do something about it. Right. Fine. Go do something about it. And when you make those, and and the stuff that we're trying to make to various degrees of success is trying to tell those stories that these these institutions ignore, but with like elite storytelling craft and with elite production values. I mean, trying to make stuff that's good enough to be on Netflix, but would not be on Netflix because it um, it's not about um, you know non-binary teens or whatever, right? So. Right. That's um, we're just we're not just going to sit and bitch about it on Twitter. We're just going to do something about it. So that's why we made the documentary. And by the way, the the uh, website for the documentary is who canceled Roland dot com. So you can just go there. Who canceled Roland dot com. It is a masterful film. You did a phenomenal job. 
And I'm so grateful to you for telling these stories. We don't hear about, you know, we, we need, we need the uplift of knowing that there are other people out there who are fighting for truth. And, uh, I'm sure that some good will come out of this for Professor Roland uh, in the future. Uh, I don't know what it is uh, because yeah. it's so it's so hard to to see. But I'm so skeptical of the timeline of these things and the fact then that you point out and, you know, we we're smart enough to put pieces together. So the New York Times wrote an article about, oh, he's disgraced. And by the way, he also published this stuff. And this is this is what the left does so effectively is the ad hominem attacks, the attacks against the character of the person or some some defect or perceived defect in the person as a way of discrediting everything that they've ever done in their lives. And that's a struggle, especially from the Judeo-Christian standpoint, where we understand that forgiveness actually is a value uh, and of course, the left doesn't have forgiveness. Yeah. You know, once you sided with Trotsky, you were dead. And if you didn't pivot to Stalin, but quick, you were dead. You were you were cut off. And by dead, I mean killed, murdered, like dead. So because that is the that is the leftist way. That's the communist way. There is no such thing as redemption. Um, but that's not our way. And so I love the fact that you're telling this story in, 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 in a sense as a way of redeeming him. Just quickly, because I've got one minute left. Um, he, he did not agree to the film or did you ask him or what happened there? I attempted to get an interview with him and he declined. And my, my sense of it is he declined because he was worried about additional retribution from Harvard University. That's my projection. I don't know. Yeah. And I have to tell you, Sam, it was it was sad to know that he would not come on camera. But at the same time, um, that seems like a completely justifiable worry. Right. Like it's not. Oh, completely. Not no, I, I, I saw through that right away. Uh, no, uh, you you know, I don't I don't really want this story necessarily. I'd like to move on with my life, uh, you know, I'd rather yeah, be doing not, my research. My and, right. right? It, it, you're, my you're jeopardizing, perhaps, it, it might jeopardize, perhaps, his future studies. Like, we don't know how soon they might invite him back into the inner sanctum or, you know. Um, I mean, it's never going to happen. I mean, there's people that have received significantly more lenient Title IX punishments than this that are still become, are get canceled, Right that Roland didn't like, there are people that get a one fiftieth of what Roland got that can never get another job. He got the, he got the worst possible thing you can do to someone. Right. I mean, this is, this is DEFCON level five nuclear annihilation of someone's career. So it's like, he's never going to be invited back. I don't think he could get a job at Virginia community college. Right. He's just well, like, let's face it. He didn't marry Amber Heard. Was that, what was that? Let's face it. He didn't marry Amber Heard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I only know like I only know like three snippets that I've watched about that trial on Twitter. I feel like that's maybe outside of my expertise, Sam. I'd much rather just, just, just uh, discuss homeschooling with you for the next 60 seconds. <laughs> we could do that. But, but the Johnny Depp case is so fascinating because he was canceled by everyone except I think he had a Dior campaign that, that kept him on. 
And yeah. and yet now what's coming out in the trial is not only is she just completely bonkers, but the but the lawyer she hired objects to his own questions. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, it, it's it's well, <laughs> this my, is my a bad movie. Been, <laughs> but here, I, I worry that Sam, I'm, tr- I'm purposely trying to not learn too much about this trial because I know it's going to be a straight drug for me and I just will not accomplish anything. So I, I like I'm a little bit worried about like dipping my toe in because I'll just get addicted to it. So I'm just here and there. My family's fascinated because we used to live in Fairfax, Virginia. We moved out to the woods down here and outside of Richmond. And we're like, why is this trial happening in Fairfax? Like, like think of Hollywood glamour and stardom and like what's sexy in the world. Right. Right. Fairfax is the opposite of all those things. Right. And well, they, because, uh, sorry, do you know why? I, I, I found out last night why it is. Yeah. Do you know why? No, tell me. Uh, it's because he's, he's suing Amber Heard for a piece of hers that ran in the Washington Post's online edition and the Washington Post servers for their online edition are in Fairfax, Virginia. So that's why it is it's in like this like completely bland, well, ultra affluent. Yeah, you know, it's suburb. pertinent. Ven- venue matters, right? It, we we live in the digital age where where we've come to think of the world sort of as this almost homogenous sort of uh, uh, entity, but in fact, venue matters, especially in in court cases. Well, this has been. Be- oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to finish us up because I because we got to take a break. But this has been very interesting. Rob Montz, I'd love to have you back on to talk about some of your other projects. Uh, For now, everybody really should go see who canceled Roland, who canceled Roland dot com, because this story is is fascinating. How long is the documentary? I don't think it's that long, actually. I mean, it's 24 minutes, but yeah. I mean, for the internet, that might as well be three hours. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's a fast 24 minutes. It, it goes very quickly. It's, it's very well done. So thank you so much. This is the Sam Sorbo program.